0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the sixth seat. Um, I'm Ashton. I'm Bridget. I'm Jackie. I'm, I'm Adri. I'm Juliana. And we are here today with my dream guest, Ben <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Um you. If you listened last week, you know that this was one of the people that I wanted to bring on. So we are so excited to have you here today with us, Ben. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's really nice you guys <laughs> to ask. Totally. Um, So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your Notre Dame introduction? Oh
1: yes, the classic ND introduction. Um, I was an alumni, I live off campus now. I'm a senior, I study international econ, Arabic, and Spanish, and I'm from Syracuse, New York.
0: Awesome. Okay, so we'll just jump right in. Um, You are a columnist for The Observer for Viewpoint. So how did you decide to do that?
1: Um, Actually, Kelly texted or DM'd me, I forget, in like August and they still had one more spot they couldn't fill. I had met her studying abroad um, and like not even knowing that she was going to be the editor-in-chief. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, you work for The Observer. I love The Observer because I have loved The Observer, unironically, for the last four years.
2: Unironically um, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so important and, distinction.
1: Uh, I guess she remembered that and was asked if I had any interest in writing, and I decided why not. So uh, she brought me on, which was super nice, and I've loved working with Evie and Kelly and everyone there. So That's it's been cool. great.
2: Did you write before The Observer?
1: Not uh, in a formal way. I mean, I write for class and stuff like that, but (laughs) not uh, for a paper or anything like that.
2: And you studied abroad in Jordan, right? Yes. Okay, because that one night when you guys all went out in Jordan, I was the only one, me and Mary, who didn't go out. So I didn't meet you that time. Oh, okay, that's yeah. too bad. Because
1: that's, that's when I yes, met Kelly. Yeah,
2: that's when you must have met Kelly. you guys got to
1: spend like a week in Jordan. Yeah,
2: we did idea. like a week-long trip in Jordan, which was super cool. But can you tell us about your experience with that a little bit?
1: Yeah, uh, so for Arabic, it's just so hard to learn in a classroom. I mean, the professors here are great and everything, but... Um, you kind of have to go abroad. So uh, it's the only safe option right now for, uh, from Notre Dame is mm-hmm. is uh, Jordan. And I lived in Amman for a semester. Um, it was a really, really different study abroad than what I think most kids here do. Um, not to, like, talk down or anyone else's experience. It's just Jordan is almost 180 degrees different from the United States. Uh, so it took a lot of getting used to, but I also learned a lot uh, about... Middle Eastern culture, and my Arabic got somewhat better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Win-win. Yes. I take Arabic, too, and it is...
2: Well, I'm not taking it this semester, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, I came for like four weeks in Jerusalem, and I was like, "This is not, not possible for yeah. me." so I can conversationally say things like, "I'm a student." And yeah. hello, you're
1: really you're safe then. Like that's all yeah, you need. You're good.
2: And all the cab drivers would get annoyed and be like, "You idiot!" Like, let me talk to you in English anyway. Like, no, right. cab
1: drivers so, just get annoyed. Period. There was yeah. no there was no making them happy. Yes,
2: definitely. Very true.
0: So did you join Viewpoint with the intention of writing about a specific topic? Like when Kelly DM'd you, you were like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, how did that, how did Uh, you come to be?
1: No, I had no idea for a long time what I was going to write about. I got a long time, like the two weeks before school started when I was (laughs) living in my house. um, And... I realized that I spent a lot of time complaining about things here, and I might as well do, like, the bare minimum about it is, like, write about it formally so that Mm -hmm. maybe my roommates don't have to listen to me complain about the things I'm not happy about. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus, I've actually learned a lot writing the columns, um, and so I feel like I have more, like, meat in the bones of my arguments now um, when I'm, like, displeased with something about Notre Dame or whatever. Yeah.
3: Yeah, definitely. Have you ever, sorry, changed your, like, opinion while researching? anything beforehand? Yeah,
1: I mean, the endowment one that I posted to start this semester is a good example. I mean, I used to just think, like, oh, let's just take 10 billion dollars from the endowment and just, like, <laughs> make school free forever for everyone. Like, yeah. it's a lot more complicated than that. I still stand by my argument that they could drastically reduce tuition mm-hmm. or probably make it free, as we have, like, one of the 10 largest endowments in the country, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't really understand until I started researching it, like, how earmarking works and how a lot of this largest donations are specifically assigned to a certain thing. Um, like, a lot of people get unhappy when, like, football gets a new building or basketball gets a new training facility. That didn't come at the expense of a scholarship for a low-income student or something like that. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it was just that family or that individual calling Notre Dame being like, I'd like to sponsor the new basketball mm-hmm. facility. So there was no guarantee that they were going to give the money any, uh, in, an, in another capacity. Yeah.
3: I think that's along with just kind of educating people, More about the finances. I think that's a really good thing to know, like that students should know that, you know, as you said, it makes people less angry about, you know, things like new buildings and things because it's important to know that the university does have the best interests, like, of students at heart when it comes down to it, I feel like.
2: Yeah, I feel like more so it would lead to, like, action of, like, how do we engage in a conversation with alumni and our donor base to say, Mm. perhaps your money could be redirected to something more meaningful for the majority of students. Um, Which I don't think, you know, until you're calm, many people would approach the issue that way. So that's interesting.
1: Yeah, that's why I try to focus on the portion that's invested every year, because obviously that scene is technically discretionary, right? Right. Like all investments are made with the understanding that you could potentially lose everything based on the fluctuations of the market or whatever. Obviously, the people managing it are doing fantastically. I think they had a 12% return last year, which is like unheard of uh, on the stock market. So, um, but that portion obviously is discretionary, so why can't we use it to reduce tuition first and then keep investing it later in the future?
3: I work for Listens, which is, like, so we call donors to say thank you or happy birthday, mm-hmm. for <laughs> you. the two important things. Um, but I want to say there was, oh, I got explained to me really well, and I'm not a finance girl, so I, I definitely, like, I still don't really know what the endowment is, and it's been told to me three times. But I want to say that they said, which I thought was so cool, that every... And, like, I could be wrong. Somebody needs to fact check me. But, like, every single, like, unmarked donation goes to financial aid.
1: That was my understanding as well. I mean, And that's it,
3: just not – is it true?
1: No, that, that okay, was my okay. – I mean, one of my roommates is a manager at ND Listens. I mean, mm-hmm. so he talked to me about it. That was part of my, like, research, if you want to call it <laughs> that, for the column. Um, just fr- I'm just frustrated because we raise tuition almost every year. We mm-hmm. raise it mm-hmm. at higher than the rate of inflation. And, meanwhile, right. Purdue has had their tuition locked down for – nine or ten years now and it's in the same state and I try to one of the hardest things about my columns is who does Notre Dame consider its peers because Mm -hmm. depending on who you ask you get a complete, incredibly different (laughs) answer like the football staff probably consider Alabama and Clemson our peers the uh, like Mm -hmm. deans probably consider like the Ivies our peers and like the ministry probably considers Georgetown or Villanova our peers so um, and then when I'm looking at issues that are important to me like housing costs It's not really fair to compare to a school that's in a big city or something like that. So I I look at like Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, Purdue, because they're in fairly similar regions of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I don't know. Like it's just if Purdue's been able to do that for so long, like why? haven't we been able to do that yeah Yeah.
0: so when you write something like that that is a little critical of the administration um have you gotten any like feedback or responses from them like
1: yeah i think the one that inspired the most criticism was my column at the end of last semester about father Hesburgh and how his legacy Mm -hmm. is more complicated than people here seem to admit um like that i expected that one to strike the biggest nerve with people and things that are really questionable and deserve to be uh, considered in the scope of his legacy. Um, I mean, I chose to focus mostly on the students who were expelled over the protests about the Vietnam war. Um, but you know, it's a lot more complicated than he was just this great man. Um, and yeah, that was why I chose to write that.
2: Yeah. This past semester, I like wrote something on free speech and one of the guys who was expelled for Vietnam protesting, like reached out to me, like part of the Notre Dame 10. And he went further and said that because they were suspended for a semester, they were no longer considered enrolled mm-hmm. in university. And Father Hasberg immediately, in the administration, I mean, of course, it wasn't true personally, but um, let the U.S. government know that. And three people were eventually drafted, and I think wow. at least one of them died. I'm I think not sure I think it was people. five draft, like five, drafted, five almost
1: immediately drafted, drafted because you were able well, to suspend well, your your dra- you were able to defer right, your draft right. as a college student so, in the yeah. '60s and '70s. Um, and since, yeah, since they were technically no longer enrolled, someone from the university informed the draft board of, that their status yeah. had changed. So they were almost immediately drafted. I believe it was five of them. And I think two perished okay. in Vietnam.
2: Yeah. Wow. So, like, real drastic consequences that we definitely don't talk about that. I especially. did not wow. know that.
1: No. And, like, I know Notre Dame brought some of them back here to yeah. talk. but Because yeah. uh, some of them did, like, work it out, come back and graduate. Yes. But some of them, like, to this day want nothing to do with the university. And I'm yeah. sure
2: that when they came back, they, like, self-organized. Because, like, the university, like, they reached out and they were like, do you know student government? Can they, like, let us, like, come on? We need a place to go. And I think oh, it was wow. eventually the Kroc Institute or KEO or mm-hmm. something sponsored them, but it's okay. still, like, definitely something that the university is relatively ashamed of, as they should be. But right? um, mm-hmm. a complicated legacy, no doubt. So, wow, very weird. Um, but another area that you've kind of touched on, I think it was just in one of your columns so far, but um, getting more vulnerable also with your personal experiences mm-hmm. with mental health and depression. And can you sort of talk about being open to sharing that with the Notre Dame community and the response that you got and how comfortable you felt doing that.
1: Yeah, that was really hard. I was, I would say I was extremely uncomfortable. Also, (laughs) um, I was writing it in a literally uncomfortable position. I was on a shift for rec sports, supervising club sports. And, uh, they tell us that we can do homework at the club shifts because there's not a lot to do. so I was sitting in this freezing garage. I knew I had a column due soon. Um, and I, to this day, not really sure like why I decided it was finally time to write about it. Um, I guess I just got tired of like so many of my actions seeming unexplainable to people who cared about me, uh, also to like professors and stuff like that. Um, so I felt it was easier to just like put it all out there all at once. Um, but the response I got was really incredible. Um, I heard from like random people that I'd never met before at Notre Dame, um, including like staff and faculty as well as students, who said that. Um, either they dealt with the issues themselves or like they read the column and decided it was time for them to go, or like got the courage to go to the UCC or a oh, private wow. practice, whatever awesome. is best for them. Um, so like that was really, really, I'm gl- I'm really glad I did it. It still makes me extremely uncomfortable to this day. Um, like knowing that it's out there, but I still stand, like I stand by what I did and I'm glad I did it. Um, and then also like with the tragic news from last week of right. uh, of a senior mm-hmm. student, uh, Ann Rose, uh, passing away, yeah. like, yeah. um, yeah. That was hard for me because I, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm not going to speculate about what happened to her or I didn't know her personally or anything like that, but to lose someone from your class, especially, is just something you never expect to have happen. Um, And I hope that her family is able to find um, like peace and uh, comfort in the support of the Notre Dame community, because uh, for all my issues with various things here, Mm -hmm. the Notre Dame community is still very supportive when it comes down to it. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a family, but it's issues like that that you don't realize are so under the surface. Like, I had the same thing where I was like, that was someone in my class. That's such a a jarring thing to realize even though obviously we're all aware that so many people on campus deal with mental health issues it's something that you know still in many ways um even though it's overcoming that stigmatization and like you contributed to that by sharing your experience is still obviously something that people don't talk about as much
1: yeah and i think um specifically one of the reasons i specifically wanted to write it is because i think young men have a harder time Mm -hmm. with mental illness (laughs) than uh women and that's (laughs) Not to say by any means that men have it harder than women. Like, absolutely no, not. No, no, exactly. But there is, uh, yes, is definitely,
3: yeah, like, there is
1: definitely uh, an extra stigmatization for men, I think, mm-hmm. the, um, to just be okay with things and move on. And it's, it's still really looked down upon to be vulnerable or show emotion in a public yeah. capacity. So um, hopefully, like, some other college-age guys or whoever needed to, to see that it was okay to be public about it like, got that from that.
3: Totally is important. it? Yeah. I don't know if this is, like, nosy to ask, but is it weird walking around knowing people know something about you that... Oh, it's not, <laughs> like, it's it's not nosy. Way. You guys can ask me whatever. <laughs> um, it, it,
1: I think I put this in the column. It was... It's more just that for the rest of my life, anyone can just search my name up and know yeah, that it's yeah. about me. Yeah. Um... It's not so much people here. I are not super worried about that. Um, Cause if you were going to judge me for that, you would have already judged the way. Cause I, it's not like being open about depression has changed the way I ex- like manifest mm-hmm. right. my depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would have just thought I was weird before, but now you'll like know why I'm different. And if you were already going to judge me, you were already going to do that. Um, it's more like wondering in the back of my mind, like maybe I didn't get that job because they looked it up and like, they, they Googled me and like saw that I had a mental health problem or something like that. Um, so you know, it, it is long-term consequences for those kind of things, but I think the climate right now is moving much toward being supportive mm-hmm. of people with those kind of issues.
0: Yeah. I've written a couple of things um not for the observer yet. Maybe I'll, I'll head down that road soon, but a lot of things about dealing with mental illness that are like exist in the internet sphere and it is like totally totally a valid and scary thing to just like put yourself out there and be like hello world, this is me, but mm-hmm. it, it is like a really beautiful and powerful thing and at the end of the day I'm like, well, I guess I wouldn't want to work for you if you're going to be really mean about it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's, what I, that's what I try to tell myself yeah. yeah.
1: anyway. Like if, you, <laughs> yeah. if I didn't get hired because of that, I shouldn't have worked there in the
3: right. first Right, like place. that wouldn't have been that would be, like, Yeah, That's yeah. not where I want to be, so no, it's I, fine. Yeah, I wrote about not even close to the same thing, but just like feeling lonely at the beginning of the yeah. year. And I remember being really nervous. You read it, actually. Yeah. Adri didn't. Yeah. But um, and like, I remember when my mom read it, like she actually had me take out parts. And mm-hmm. she was like, people are going to think you're like sad and weird. Yeah. And I was like, mom, that's like the whole point. Is we have to <laughs> it. And then, and she was like, it's, it's too much. And so I ended up did. So I like mm. definitely applaud. Like, yeah, I
1: like know family was another big part. I mean, I send it to, I don't, I haven't done this since high school, but I sent it to my mom to read first. Uh, she was always my editor in high school. Um, and I, I, I also don't know why, I guess I wanted to, her to tell me if she thought she's a teacher mm-hmm. and I wanted her to tell me if she thought it was too much for a school paper. Um, And my family just got, like, I think that, I mean, my parents had known and stuff like that, obviously, because of, like, health insurance, and, you know, we have a good relationship, but, um, like, the extended family finding out about Mm -hmm. it, like, that wasn't something I was prepared for either, and Mm -hmm. I only heard good things, but, you know, like, being at Thanksgiving or Christmas and, like, knowing your grandma has read that Mm -hmm. column, like not something you know how to prepare for
2: right Uh, and also like you don't get to like see their initial reactions to that knowledge you just know that they like know that now um, which is also something challenging to grapple with but um this was actually something i want to touch on otherwise do your family does your family ever react to your columns otherwise like the other one's about criticizing the administration do they get nervous that you might be like going after them. Much, <laughs> my parents do. And I get like, yeah, all the time. They're like, stop. So. That's
1: my mom's favorite yeah. joke is that they're going to kick me out before I graduate. Or yeah, that I, parents, that she's prepared yeah. my room in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. But no, my, I, if my mom does listen to this, she is my number one fan. Um, oh. and the, by far the most supportive, um, and, My dad, I'm pretty sure, reads them all, too. I know he (laughs) follows me on Twitter, at least. That counts. Um, My grandmother actually prints out every single column. Um, I tried to show her. I mean, she's actually really great with the computer for someone uh, who didn't (laughs) grow up with them. But I think it might just be easier for her to read them that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, my cousin sent me a picture. She, like, prints them all out physically and then reads them. so so
0: so I do want to pivot to your Twitter for a second.
3: Yeah, Um, of course.
0: (laughs) For people who don't know, Ben is a big Twitter person. Huge Um, Twitter person. I was, like, really excited when you followed me on Twitter. The other day I was like, oh, my God, like, I made it. I'm so cool now. So you did – Did you, I might have just, like, made this up because I'm a creepy stalker, but, like, did you do the football? Yeah, no, that was, that's been my job
1: for, in various capacities for the last four years on campus, and it is by far one of my favorite things that I've had the chance to do at Notre Dame. Um, I started freshman year just working for Fighting Irish Media, FIM, um, which is, like, the media wing of the athletics department, doing, like, basic office work, helping out with random tasks, and sophomore year, the football program hired a woman to specifically run social media for the team. They hadn't had anyone like that before. And it was frankly a little behind what other programs of our caliber had in terms of the social media department. Um, and they gave me the opportunity to work alongside her. And she was fantastic. I spent a lot of time learning. And then junior, senior year, they kind of turned it over to me. Um, and I was actually the one like managing the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook during the games for the last two seasons uh, while my boss would be like on the field or doing stuff that as a full-time employee, she had more access to. Um, I'm hoping to work in sports after graduating. Like I really have loved every second of, of uh, managing the football Twitter. It was a huge responsibility, but one that like I relished having um, because I think that's the first thing people think about when they think of Notre Dame is football, for better or worse. And to be like the so-called voice of football on game days uh, was something that not a lot of people get to say they've done. That's
3: awesome. That's so, cool. so did you make the picture with Brian Kelly and the birthday candles? No, I should. I should clarify that there is an
1: incredibly talented team with me. Like I, there are there are actual professional graphic designers and an amazing video team. Uh, I am like actually just compo- composing the the content uh, the, like the, the copy
3: for mm-hmm. the posts
1: um I, I, like obviously I select the photos and whatnot but then the the actual people with real artistic ability uh, <laughs> put together the edits and I get to like sit side by side with them at the press box in the press mm-hmm. box I even got to go to an away game this year for the first time uh, fortunately it was the Michigan game
3: okay. but oh. I mean
1: it was still cool to see Michigan Stadium and uh, yeah. like see how everything changes on the road but mm-hmm. uh, yeah like, I I learned a lot about social media and athletics and it was like truly an incredible experience yeah
2: that's That's so cool really cool Mm -hmm. yeah i guess to sort of cap off our interview um you are a second semester senior so do you have anything on your notre dame
1: bucket list yeah i've been keeping one with my friends actually i realized there was a lot of smaller things that i haven't done here yet like i uh finally went to Oros trivia for the first time last week i've never been to natio still and i need to change that Mm -hmm. Um, i want to go to corby's these are making me sound a bit like uh an irresponsible student <laughs> but it's okay uh like it's okay to have fun your last semester i think yeah, definitely um i'm trying to think what else uh this is super random but i think a lot about when i walk through campus but how many of the buildings on campus i've never been in mm. like
2: I'm, i literally put it on my bucket list to go into the new hall of Art <laughs> architecture because i was yeah. like what yeah. is this and i walked in and oh. i got scared and i ran out. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I mean I don't even mean the dorms like obviously I have no reason to like walk into Carol or whatever But like
0: the chemistry
1: building that's right there I have walked by that building probably a thousand times and I have never set foot in it And so I think I'm gonna do that I'm just gonna walk into all the buildings that I've wanted to walk into
3: At least once My dream is to go into the bell tower
2: what? You can what's do that.
3: Someone's ringing tower? the bells. Someone's up there. Isn't it automatic? I, th- I thought it was like a yeah, machine. I thought automatic. I saw. Oh, yeah. There's a was no hunchback <laughs> of Notre Dame. No, you picturing
0: someone with a robot.
3: I googled this. when i hired
0: a priest just to sit there all day? <laughs>
3: there goes that dream.
0: Yeah, that would be cool though. I hope that exists just for you.
3: No, it does. I'm. Aha! I just found a picture. There's a. Boy, a little boy and a big bell. So <laughs>
0: that's a little oh, boy Eric. Yeah <laughs> It's yeah. out there. Yeah, that's that
1: out. should be the final exam for the architecture students. They have to make their way up there and then. Oh ring my the bell.
0: god! <laughs> all right, I love be it. Fun. I want to be an architecture kid just so I can like make the hat at graduation. You know? Oh, have you yeah. seen their
2: yeah? Yeah, they're always cool. Oh yeah. I just want to do that. Well, their new building is pretty sick. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Not to mention mm-hmm. a year
1: in Italy is you know pretty
2: yeah. enticing. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all right. about the grad yeah. hat. So <laughs> well yes. thank you for coming yeah of I course super appreciate it all your answers were very interesting yeah, and awesome. you're our inaugural guest So, yes. so yeah. huge that's honor nice. thank
1: you guys so much Yay. i really appreciate it i have
3: it. one more question oh yeah if sure. it, well while we're talking about you being our inaugural guest i guess to pay it forward do you have anyone that you mm-hmm. think would be like a cool guest for the podcast
1: yeah, yeah um <laughs>
3: That's
1: not on the spot at all. No, it's uh, it's a good question. And, I mean, there is an obvious candidate who we were, Jackie and I were just talking about. But I think Brandon Hardy should come on the podcast. Um, yeah. He's done everything else at Notre Dame. Um, and this is new. And he yeah. might be the most famous non-athlete on campus. So <laughs>
3: true. I would Very love
1: true. to hear a like behind the scenes from him about what his life is really like.
3: So, yeah. Alright, really Brandon Hardy, if you're listening, you're not you <laughs> in the sixth seat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to tweet it at him.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: You're yes. so right. Yes. yes. Utilize yeah. your we'll Twitter power. Yeah. You're so right. Perfect. Like, I did it. We should like make it a challenge, like the sixth seat challenge. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. It's funny. I like it. Like, <laughs> yes. Um, before we hang up, we should also take a minute to let our sixth fifth seat Adri like introduce herself since everybody else got to meet us last week um not to put you on the spot
4: yeah no um hi everyone my name is Adriana um my friends call me Adri um I'm still a bit like recovering a little bit from my concussion so I haven't been talking a lot but uh, I'm getting there um no turning of introduction um I'm a sophomore from Farley Hall I study political science journalism and sustainability um I guess a fun fact about me yeah is that right Yeah. Is there something fun about me that maybe you... I like don't share? know. How did you get um, your concussion? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> did you go to St. Liam's?
4: <laughs> I did.
2: St. Liam's
4: story. Oh I've God. been to St. Liam's uh twice last week um, for my concussion, and I, I got sick. I've been... am probably going to be um, going there for, like, more than four times a semester. I've been there it. so many <sighs> times, and I... Yeah. Um... I got my concussion. I was... I went to uh, Arizona on, like, a Center for Social Concerns seminar to the border, mm-hmm. um, and the house we were staying at had really low bunk beds, mm. um, no, no. and I was leaving. I hit my head, like, three times during the week, uh, but I think the last time is the one that mm-hmm. did it, um, because after that, uh, my head hurt for, like like, an entire week, so... I was like, it's definitely, like, it's not a concussion. Like, I'm fine. It's just going to go away. I've been dealing with headaches my whole life. Uh, But my friends were really worried about me. Um, And then it got worse during the weekend. Uh, So they made me go to St. Liam's. And it was a concussion. Um, Uh, (laughs) Despite my my stubbornness, it was a concussion. So that's my story. It's not very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Have you had to miss class? They didn't give me a pass so <gasps> no i, I know yeah.
2: freshman year and they were like take three weeks off yeah. and i was like i can't afford to do that but <laughs> I know.
4: they didn't huh. give me a pass and then i went for i had a virus and they gave me a pass for the virus but not, <laughs> for, the <laughs> not for the concussion the that's absolutely crazy it's just
3: vintage saliums
4: so. yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> i was very confused too but well we're excited to have you on
2: the podcast yes, too. Yes, i'm excited too yeah. thank you